Hi, church. How are we doing? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your tangible presence already in this place this morning. We thank you that you delight in your people. We thank you, Lord, that you are the giver of life and the giver of love. Lord, will you do something new in us this morning? Would you call us closer? Would you take us deeper? Would you propel us further? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, yes, yeah, good to see you guys. I uh, just wanted to start off by saying, a few years ago, um, I surprised Yasmin. I don't know if you remember this. I, I surprised Yasmin with a trip to Barcelona. Uh, for those of you in the, tr- in the church at the time, I made a big hoo-ha about it because that's the kind of guy I am. Um, but we went to this amazing, we, we, we went, because uh, it was, we, I surprised her. And, you know, if anyone who knows me, surprises or organization isn't really my, uh, my gifting. Um, but we went out there and we had a fantastic time. It was full of, you know, full of culture and food and amazing weather. It was just unbelievable. And I don't know if you've ever been to Barcelona, um, and you kind of do all the, like, the touristy things, right? So we went to see the Sagrada Familia. Anyone been there? Anyone? I think I've got a picture of it uh, somewhere. Um, next slide. There you go. So if you've been to the Sagrada Familia, it is the most breathtaking building. Agreed? It's an unbelievable place. It's an unbelievable place. And it was built and architected by a guy named Gaudi. And Gaudi had a vision to build a unique temple that would be a universal masterpiece, combining all symbols of Christianity. The work started in 1883, but the construction still goes on today. The complete date is 2026, 100 years after his death. Only a quarter of the work had been completed when he died. And I remember sitting there feeling this sense of awe and holy wonder at the fact that there was something within this individual, there was something within this man, this vision, this passion that proliferated down past the generations. That actually the thing that he, would, would, he saw, he would not actually get to physically, tangibly touch. And that really kind of really spoke volumes to me. You know... It wasn't only that it became, it was his vision, but those people that came underneath, they took that and they ran with it as well. And I began to think about the people in history who had done great things. You know, the people in history that had devoted their lives to a cause, to, a, to, a, uh, to, to see something happen. Who faced adversity and had the strength and tenacity to keep on going. I looked at the characters in the Bible like Peter and Paul who, you know, when all the chips were against them, they kept on going. What was it within them that compelled them to go further? What, what, what was it? I, 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 don't know, I don't know about you, but I, I kind of get hung up on those kind of things. Why, why is this thing happening for him? Why is he so driven? Why is he so passionate? Why does he want to see this thing so much? And my question was, well, maybe it was because he'd experienced, you know, signs and miracles, especially in the Bible, they had kind of, you know, uh, miracles and signs and wonders and all that kind of stuff. But surely that experience could not be enough. It couldn't be enough because loads of people had, were touched. There was the woman at the well. There was the lady with the issue of blood. Lazarus was dead for three days. I mean, I mean if anyone was going to tell a story, it's Lazarus, right? Hey, I died, back again. You know, he didn't even get a book. He didn't even get a book. 
there must have been something that was within these people, something within them that they caught something. What was it that gave them that relentless pursuit of God and his kingdom purposes? And I got me thinking, maybe it wasn't what they experienced, but rather what they saw in their mind's eye. Maybe that thing that they saw in their mind's eye set them on a journey of faith to see those things come to pass. To see the things unseen materialize. And we read about this thing in Hebrews chapter 11, which is a famous passage of scripture about faith. And I don't know if you have your your Bibles. I'd love for you to turn with me to this because this is really great stuff. So Hebrews 11 verse 1. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, just to, to kind of get hit if you want to follow with me. Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It's all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. This testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for. Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. He spoke and the invisible realm gave birth to all that is seen. See, the chapter continues and progresses and he goes on to list the writer or she goes on to list the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament like Abraham, Noah, Moses, Samson. But this struck me in verse 13, if you're there. These heroes all died, still clinging onto their faith, not receiving all that they had been promised to them. But they saw beyond the horizon the fulfillment of their promises and gladly embraced it from afar. They all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. You see, these guys, they all committed themselves to go the distance to go further, further for what they saw, and to give it their everything, even their lives. They were fixed on further. So in preparing this message, I was really thinking, what, what does it mean to, be, to go further? And for me, it meant that further isn't a destina- destination, but it's a faith direction. It's not a destination. I don't arrive at a place that's further, but I fix my gaze upon a direction and I'm going and I'm going and I'm going. That's what it means to be fixed on further. You see, it's a God-breathed daily pilgrimage to relentlessly, passionately pursue the unseen and hoped until it becomes a reality. Um, I'm on the way to the men's weekend. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I'm not really a hiker. Uh, you know, I don't really stock hike, hiking boots in my wardrobe. I don't know if they go with skinny jeans. I'm not sure. Um, but, you know, I got the email from the men's weekend. And, and it was great because it was really functional. It was such a, like a really man's email. It's functional. Take this. Do this. That, that's great. I loved it. And um, because the thing about it is, right, what you take on a journey can impact the success, right? That, that's, that's right. So what you equipped with, I love the, uh, there's a line in the email, really, it really made me laugh. He said, um, whatever you take, you carry with you. 
Just, just remember that. Just remember whatever you're taking, you're carrying. I was just like, oh, man. Pack light. Oh, man. Yeah, boot shopping. Anyway, so I want to talk about three things. <laughs> I want to talk about three things you can choose to take on your journey with God to go further. Three things that you can choose on this journey of faith to go, to go further with God. And the first thing we can take or choose to take We could choose to value our surrender over our sacrifice. Value our surrender over our sacrifice. I want to start by asking you this question. What would you be willing to give your life to? What would you be willing to give your life to? What cause call or purpose do you have in your heart that you would commit your whole life to see coming, to see him? You see, that's a big question. It's a big question because it's loaded with so much opportunity, but it's also loaded with equally so much sacrifice. For me, I always wanted to get married and start a family. And in fact, you know, um, I remember going for an interview and they, they asked me, what are the three things you wanted to achieve in your life? And I said, I'd love to have a successful marriage. And the lady who interviewed me was like, what? Because I was going for a, I was going for a sales role. So, they, you know, the, the kind of the answers are, you know, I'd like to make a lot of money. I'd like to live in a big house, yada, yada, yada. And I said, I'd like to have a successful marriage. And she, and she kind of said, well, what do you mean? And I said to her, well, it's statistical that 50% of marriages fail, and I would like to, my heart's desire would be that I would give my all for this cause. I'd really want to make it work. I'd re- this was my heart desire. This is for me. And um, so I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to uh, have a successful marriage, and, you know, for those of us who know us, myself and Yasmin, you know, we, we really invest and we really take that quite, light, high, quite highly. We hold it in high regard. And I haven't been perfect and, I've, and everyone's made mistakes. But for me, it was such an important thing for me to hold this thing in high regard. And, but that comes with its consequences and its sacrifices, of course. I need to keep up to date with the latest real housewife of X. Whether that be Cheshire, Manchester, Southend, or Chelmsford, I don't know, whatever show it is. Or I have to become a human climbing frame for my daughter and loudly applause the 500th time rendition of Greatest Showman's Million Dreams. (laughs) Well done, darling! Number 604. (laughs) And... um, and with my son, he's, he's getting older now. And, you know, he's, they're into things that you just didn't, you just didn't have when you, were, when you were a kid. He's into, like, fingerlings and hatchimals. I mean, what's a fingerling? I mean, what is that? It's, this, it's these kind of sacrificial things that you actually you give up. And for the last year, we've got a one-year-old. And for the last year, you know, sleep has been a real sacrifice. So if you could pray for me, that would be great. Thank you. But it comes at a cost. Whatever you want comes at a cost. And I believe, I have this 
conviction in my spirit that God loves every single person. Do you believe that in this place? Do you believe that God loves everyone on this planet? It doesn't matter whether the person who intended to have the child intended them, but I know that God had a plan and a purpose for every single individual on this planet. If you are breathing, God loves you and he has a once relationship with you. I completely believe that with every fiber of my being. He's designed us for his glory, for relationship and for purpose. I believe that. Well, some of you may say, well, F.A., I don't know how to answer that question. How do I know what's a purpose from God and what's an aspiration or a dream or an ambition? How do I know? Well, to understand our purpose is is a question of our identity. And our identity, who we are, has been challenged from the very beginning. Even in the garden, way back when in the beginning of the book, The deceiver came to challenge Adam and Eve's identity, and he does the same to each one of us today. Most of us have been been left trying to figure out this thing all by ourselves. Maybe culture has a way of trying to define us, or maybe our experiences, or maybe even our own desires. But it's a burden that we we weren't designed to carry. In Romans chapter 12, Paul writes, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred, loving sacrifices, and to live in holiness, experiencing all the delights, all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful, satisfying, and perfect life in his eyes. You see, Wendy last week spoke so eloquently and so powerfully on this topic. I can't encourage you enough to listen back to that message. It will challenge you and it will change your life if you let it take root in you. She delivered that in order for us to go further in our lives, we have to be willing to let ourself go and surrender our need for control, our ego, our entitlements, and give them to Jesus and have him transformed us into who we were always intended to become. See, it's in the letting go that empowers us by the Holy Spirit to receive God's will, God's purpose, God's vision for our life. It's our relationship with Jesus that sets us on a trajectory of further it's interesting as well, as this note beside in, at the bottom end of Hebrews 11, it says they all lived their lives on earth as those who belonged to another realm. Maybe those who belonged to another life. But the thing is, we can't entrust someone, we can't entrust our lives to someone we don't know, right? We can't give something to someone we just don't know. I can't entrust my life to you if I don't, if I don't know you. I can't give you the depths of my heart or my truth or my, I can't build real relationship with you if I don't really know you. I can't do that. So that's why we have to get closer to God. We have to get closer to Jesus. We have to engage with him with his, in his word, in, through worship and prayer. We have to make it our heart's desire to know him more, to get closer, to go deeper. And that's when we can go further. How do I know I'm on a journey? Does God breathed to take me further? Some of you may be asking, well, I don't know. Maybe I think I am. I'm not sure. Here's some quick sense checks for you. If God has breathed something in you, 
that you would, you would give your life to. It'll be bigger than you. It'll be beyond you. And it won't be about you. It will be bigger than you. So it will outlast you. You may not receive the glory or the thanks or the praise. It may be beyond you. You will not be able to do it by yourself. You're going to need people around you, support, wisdom, guidance. And it won't be all about you. It won't just be there to serve your passions, your wants, or your desires. You see, rather, a God-breathed purpose has three eternal components. It's fueled by faith. It's anchored in hope. And it's outworked in love. Fueled by faith, anchored in hope, and outworked in love. So the first thing is to choose, your, choose to surrender, choose to value your surrender over your sacrifice. The second thing we could take on this journey to go deeper with God is to choose resilience in the face of resistance. That's the next one. Choose resilience in the face of resistance. You know, for every journey, there's an eventuality of encountering the unknown, the unexpected. And if you've lived life long enough you know life can throw some curveballs. I wasn't expecting that. I, was, I didn't see that one coming. It could be bad news. It could be loss. It could be sickness. It could be a breakdown of relationship. It could be a difficult, teenage, a difficult season with a teenager or a child. Life just has this way of doing things that's just like, wow, I just didn't see that one coming. And at that point, we find ourselves faced with suffering, with discomfort and pain. Pain seems to be part of the journey. It seems that we can't really escape it. Paul tells himself that three times he was beaten with rods. Since Once he was stoned. That's with rocks, not with the... Um, <laughs> like 5% of you got that. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked, and night and day I spent out in the open sea, and many suggest that he suffered a physical illness. He came face to face with opposition on many, many, many fronts. And Jesus warned us that in this world we would have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You see, church, over the years, um, you've witnessed the challenges that we have encountered as a family. Myself and Yaz. Three years ago, I, I was on the same platform and I told you about how I held my son after his first seizure. He lay lifeless in front of me. I thought, that's it. I'm going to lose him. And it sparked a journey of walking through epilepsy with our son. Something we weren't equipped for, something we couldn't plan for, something we never expected. And then it throws up all sorts of things. Visits to the hospital. Um, what's his life going to be like? Will he ever be able to drive? Will he ever be able to um, experience life in a way that everybody else experiences it? What if the next seizure he has causes irreparable damage to his brain? These were the things that were going through our hearts, going through our minds as we walked this journey of uncertainty. We were faced with the opposition of fear. All we could do is to believe that Jesus loves him more than we could ever do. 
We had to trust and believe that Jesus would miraculously heal him of this. And I stand here today that his last episode, his last epilepsy episode was in November 2016. And he has an appointment in a few months' time to sign him off for good. You know? But when you're walking the journey, you can't see the outcome. When you're walking that thing, you don't know how it's going to turn out. All you can do is trust and believe. That's all you can do. I shared in my last message how I'd lost my job in January. I don't know if anybody was there. With a new house and a new baby, I sat here on, three, on four chairs, surrounded by shame, uncertainty, fear, and doubt that wanted to invade the closet of my heart. It wasn't, we didn't know what God was about to do. We didn't know. And we didn't feel that God was saying, okay, F.A., you know, go back, to, go back to work. You've got a great CV. You know, you could look really good. Your LinkedIn profile looks amazing. Crack on. He was like, no, 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 no. I want to show you something. I want to show you that you can go from one level of security, which is a great job and a fantastic lifestyle, to another level of security, which is the name of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A security that will say to you, actually, you know what? There is, they won't say to you, there's no job tomorrow. They won't say to you, you know what? Actually, I've got no need for you. There is purpose in the name of Jesus. There is power in his name. And he was taking me on a journey of further, to trust him further. And we felt that actually, um, and you know what, I just want to say thank you to the church because you guys have been amazing, always asking how things are going. And we really felt uh, after months and months of prayer and preparation that God was um, leading us to start a business. So we started this company now. Full of uncertainty. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but we know who holds our future. We know who holds our future, you see. I can, I can stand here and tell you some incredible miracles about what's happened in the last four months. Even, what, even down to last week. Where's our life group? Life group in the house? Our life group has been amazing, and they've seen what God has done in and through our lives. And I want to thank you personally for all the things that we've walked this together as a, as a family. He has completely blown our minds with provision and opportunity. We, in the first month, we got our first clients, paying clients, and we continue to perform miracle after miracle. So when we find ourselves faced with opposition, when we find ourselves faced with resistance, we don't know anything else but to go back to the one to whom holds our future, to go back to the one and say, do you know what, God, you did it for me when I was struggling with, in, with insecurity. You did it for me when I didn't have a job. You did it for me when, I had, when, my, when my son was sick. You did it for me when I didn't have any money. You did it for me then, and you would do it for me now. I have seen you move, and you move mountains. Because you, can, you see forward when you look back. When you look back at the goodness of God, you can stand in front of your opposition, and you can raise a hallelujah. And say, my God reigns. That he is the king of kings. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? 
When you look back and you see what God has done over your life, you can stand there resilient in the face of resistance. See, I think there is someone in this place this morning who is facing a giant. I I feel that there is someone who is facing a mountain. There's a mountain in front of you. Maybe it's fear, doubt, unbelief. It stands like an obstacle before you. But today, but today, I feel that there is a shout of hallelujah that you've got inside you that will shake the enemy's camp. I really believe that you've got a shout in you that would, dis- that would disturb the camp of the enemy. Because greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. I want to encourage you this morning to look back and thank God. You know, gratefulness and thankfulness are such powerful keys. They're such powerful keys in the time of, 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 of oppression Thank you for my health. Thank you for my life. Thank you for breath. Thank you that I can walk. Thank you that I can talk. Thank you for food in the fridge. Thank you for my, for my children. Thank you for my, my family. There is always something you can give God thanks for. Yeah? Even in the darkest things, in the darkest of nights, in the darkest of moments, we can dig deep and say thank you, God. And thank you, God, for this. And thank you, God, for that. And thank you, God. And this worship begins to stand up within you. And the enemy begins to crumble. He begins to tremble. You see, resistance builds resilience for a further distance. Resistance builds resilience for a further distance. It builds a closeness, a deeper level of intimacy with him. And it places something in us. It produces something in us. It produces a, a grit, a, a determination, a, a compelling. And it propels us forward. You know, in James 1, it says it's in this place, in the place of a trial, that your faith has the invaluable opportunity to stir up power, to endure all things. And verse 4, the passion, it says, and then as your endurance grows stronger, It releases perfection into every part of your being until there's nothing missing and nothing lacking. Until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. I want there to be nothing missing and nothing lacking in my life. I don't know about you. I don't want there to be anything missing, anything lacking. So I fix my face like flint towards the author and the perfecter of my faith. And I tell that giant in the name of Jesus... I speak to that mountain in the name of Jesus. And it has to move. There's only one person that wants to see a mountain move in this place. Do you want to see mountains move in your life? Do you want to see mountains move? Because I I feel like there is a stirring in someone's spirit at the moment. I really sense that God wants to release a newness over you today. He wants to empower you with his spirit. And and worship is such a key weapon of our warfare. Our weapons are our words and our worship. It's the journey of further resilience in the face of resistance. So that's the third thing. That's the second thing we can take on our journey. We can choose 
resilience over resistance. And finally, I only said there was going to be three. So I keep to time. The third thing we could take is commitment over comfort. Our commitment over our comfort. Now, it was the London Marathon last week, last Sunday, wasn't it? I think it was. And um, to all of those who participated, whether you're in this place or you're online or watching, I commend you because that is a long way. And long distance has never really been my calling. I was kind of a shot putter. You know, when I was back in school, I was kind of plump back in school. So they didn't really they didn't get you running. They got you shot putting. You know, if you, you, you know, you know, when you're the shot putter, you know. You know you ain't built for track and field. I commend you. I commend all of you runners. It's just not my calling. They say for the typical marathon runner, miles 18 to 22 are the hardest. I would have probably said like mile three, but hey. But hey, miles 18 to 22 are when it gets really tough. That's when physically, emotionally, things get tough. And they hit what's called the wall. And that's because there's depletion of glucogen reserves stored in, liver, in the liver and the muscles. And it reduces most runners to a dizzy walk. So effectively, they need more fuel in the tank to keep going. And it's recommended that runners, that they ingest calories to provide a source of energy to keep going. Now, I um, consulted one of a, a seasoned marathon runner, our very own Greg John. Uh, and I asked him, and I, you know, I said, is this kind of, is this, does it work? Is this kind of right? And he said, well, it's at this point... When you hit your wall, when you get to that place, it's at this point that your why has to be more than your current discomfort. Why are you doing this in the first place? That was my first question. But why are you doing it in the first place? Is it for personal achievement? Is it for a cause or a call? Is it something that, you've, that you're longing to do? Why are you doing it? Because it's, that's the thing that you're going to need to hold on to to complete the race. Why are you doing this? You've got to have a why. You've got to have that thing that gets you past your comfort. The writer of Hebrews wrote to encourage converts from Judaism at a time when Christians were being persecuted for their faith. They had seen family members, loved ones, friends, imprisoned and killed for the gospel. So these guys, they were just like, you know what? This is just too much for me. I'm just going to go back to being a Jew. It's just easier. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging these guys to continue on, to continue pressing on, to continue to endure and Hebrews 12 too, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, Jesus knows what it feels like to be discouraged. Jesus knows what it feels like to have to dig deep to go forward. We read of him in a garden, 
pleading with the Father, if there was any other way, if there was any other way that this could be done. Yet, with blood and sweat pouring down his face, he had a vision of you and me. He had a vision of this. And he whispered, not my will, Father, but yours be done. I don't know about you, but I don't want to stop on Mark 22. I don't want to live my life stopped and halted on Mark 22. And it, may be, and it may feel like that for you in your relationship with God today. You may be in this place and you may have hit a wall in your relationship with God. You've heard the sermons, you sang the songs, but you feel like you've hit a wall. The radiant colors of your faith may have over time faded into lifeless shades of gray. I feel that this morning, Jesus is calling you to once again fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. Freely you gave it all for us. Surrendered your life upon that cross. This is our God. I feel, I have a sense that God wants, is calling you to fix your focus on him. Not on what you feel. Not on what you've been going through. And hear me correctly. I'm not dismissing any of that and neither is Jesus. But he's saying if you're focusing on that, you can't see this. Lift your eyes and focus on Jesus. Focus on him solely, holy and only. Not, what, not for what he can do for you, relinquishing your need to understand. We live in a world of real things. And this week we've had to speak to someone who's going through something really difficult. And it's hard for them to relinquish their control to understand. And Jesus is there saying, son, just look at me. Just look at me. Jesus wants to restore the joy in your heart. The joy of your salvation. The joy just to know him. You see, we can talk about further as being, you know, a, a crusade or something that we do. But Jesus is our further. There is nothing beyond him. Jesus is our further. That's why there's no end to the distance of our journey on this planet. Because there is no limit to knowing an unlimited God. There is no limit to understanding a limitless Jesus. To know him more, to, more, to love him more deeply, more intimately. To have him as the one thing that you desire. See, that's the place of abundant life. That's the place of reinvigoration. That's the place of, in, of energy, of new life. It's just receiving his love and falling in love with him every single day. To gaze upon his beauty, to, to become more like him. There is nothing else. That's what it means to live. That's what it truly means to be alive. And that's why someone like Paul can say to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because it's only ever, always, Jesus. Him alone. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know what lap you're on. I don't know whether you're right at the starting line or you're kind of looking back, thinking, 
I can't get through this wall. There's an invitation for you this morning to fix your eyes on Jesus. Paul writes of of himself um, to his apprentice Timothy when his time was drawing near on earth. He said, as for me, my life has already been poured out as as an offering to God. The time of death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. That's the kind of life I want to live. I don't know about you, but I want to live my life going further. I want to get to the grave empty of everything God has called me to do and become. I don't want to stop on mile 22. I want to give Jesus my all. I want to live a life of further in every area of my life. I just want to, in closing, I just want to show you this, this story of further that really, that really touched me. Um, and it was one of the reasons why I was so excited why baptism comes under discipleship. And it's a story of a baptism service that I experienced here in this very building a number of years back. Alison Tullock, sorry Al, Alison Tullock baptized her friend after 26 years of friendship. This lady hadn't been, been a Christian for this time. But Alison went so far to just continually love her, to love her as a friend, to pray for her when she, didn't, when she couldn't pray. She wasn't a Christian. To believe for her when she couldn't believe for herself. When she ridiculed or when she asked the questions, Alison was there showing her love, going further in love towards her. And, she, and I, I, it moved me nearly to tears as she stood in that pool and she baptized her friend. That's an image of further. You see, it doesn't have to be a TV broadcast campaign. Or it doesn't have to, you don't have to stand up on a platform or scream, or scream and shout. It's a call to love. To love God and to love God with all our heart and all our might, with all our strength, with all our passion, with everything we have, and to love others in the same way that God loves us. That's the call of further, friends. That's what it is. To love the Lord with all your heart, all your might, all your strength, and to love others the way Christ loves us. That's further. So I want to encourage you. If you're taking this journey of further with God, make sure you have the right accessories. Firstly, choose to value your surrender more than your sacrifice. Choose resilience in the face of resistance because it will come. But greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. And finally, Choose commitment over our comfort because it's in that place where we become so much more like Jesus. Amen. Amen.